When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's going to be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Eye Test here on the Sick Podcast Network. Pierre McGuire with myself, Jimmy Murphy. And you may notice the background there. As, as, I, as I talk right now, Pierre, I don't think it's over yet, but it's pretty close. 6-2 USA as time winds down. Our production crew telling us, uh, Sammy telling us, there's some fights breaking out on the ice now. Uh, so I guess Sweden's saying, well, we're not going to win. We might as well go down swinging. <laughs> well, congratulations to the Americans, by the way. That uh, Royal Junior Gold is an amazing accomplishment, regardless as to who's there, who's not there. The truth of the matter is whenever you hear your anthem played on foreign soil, it's a special moment. And, uh, mm-hmm. I've had the privilege to uh, be around at the gold medal presentations um, for years and years, and it never gets old. And, and again, congratulations to the entire American team. Yeah, and look, I, I'm a proud American hockey fan here, so I had to put that in the background there, Pierre. But uh, <laughs> I got to say, though, you know, one thing I love about this, Pierre, like you said, it's a proud moment, too. And now, as we've discussed with Stanley Cup champions, same goes here. These guys will walk together forever. They are brothers now after winning this gold medal, aren't they? It really is. It's an amazing thing. And, you know, I was there the first time the Americans won 2004. It was in Helsinki, Finland. And guys like Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter, uh, Mark Stewart, Ryan Kessler. You know, you remember the way they played, the way they handled themselves. I'll tell you a quick story about that. Mm-hmm. Zach Parisi was one of the leaders of Team USA and he actually held the American bus after they won the gold medal. It was the first time the Americans ever won gold at the World Junior, Jimmy. And he held the bus, and he wanted to say thank you to our TSN production crew for actually oh, being fair and balanced during yep. the broadcast because it was Canada versus the USA. And I'll always remember Zach uh, doing that. And, you know, what was that? That's, you know, almost 20 years ago now when yeah. you think about it. And I still see him, and I still we talk about it. And I had nothing to do with it except I was broadcasting with my partner, Gordon Miller. But I remember Zach doing that, and it meant a lot to our entire crew. I know that. Well, you know, look, uh, we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit. I mean, Brad Marchand had some high praise for Sidney Crosby uh, yeah. last night. They never played in a World Junior together. They did win gold in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to go back just to, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum, that team in 2005, Pierre, the Canada team. And – 
you know, I just have had so many conversations with both Sid and Patrice Bergeron discussing that being the foundation for their friendship. And they are true friends, brothers, you know, and they may go to war on the ice over the years, but when, when it comes down to it, you know, there's just this connection. And, and I love that. And that's, that's how it is when most teams win a championship, but um, it's something else, especially at these world juniors, when you're playing for your country, that that's, that I don't, you know, Pierre, here's a good question for you. It, it, does that bond players more than a Stanley Cup when you win for your country because you're doing it for your country and the nationalism and the pride? Or is do you think a cup is, is a bigger bond or is it, is, it, is it tied? Yeah, I think they're all large. Um, the Stanley Cup is an amazing thing. Winning an Olympic gold medal. I've never won one when I broadcast a lot of them. Uh, both in the winter and summer Olympics. Um, it's obviously special, and World Junior is amazingly special. For a lot of the players that play in the World Junior that win gold, Jimmy, a lot of them may never, ever get to the level that a lot of people think they will. This will be the highest moment they'll ever right. have in their career. So when, regardless as to whether you win an Olympic gold, World Junior gold, Stanley Cup, World Championship, a win is a win is a win, and I think they're all equal – they all matter a lot, but it was a great Fred Shure who said, win today and we walk together forever. I love that. Uh, with those great Philadelphia Flyer teams, and, and Fred could not have been more right. Yeah, really for sure. Him. All right, let's look at this USA team, Pierre. And look, I, the big guy today was Isaac Howard, but there were so many that had great games throughout this mm -hmm. tournament and so many stepping up offensively. Um, you know, when you look at it as a whole, what player do you, do you think maybe – that we didn't know enough about as the, the general public. I know you do, you know them all, but just as the general fan, what player do you think will become more of a household name because of this specific tournament? It might be Gavin Brindley, believe it or not, of the University of Michigan, who's a second round pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Not an overly large guy. He's short, but he's stout. He can really shoot the puck. I think he had a tremendous world junior, not just because of offense, Jimmy, but because of his penalty killing, because of the energy that he brings. Um, I've, Thought he really did a good job, and I got to believe the Columbus Blue Jackets are really happy with that second-round pick of Gavin Brindley. So that would be one name that I think people will see and hear uh, as we go along. I think another one uh, would be uh, Augustine and goal, Fowler and goal, those two in particular. Um, I, I know that neither one of them was a first-round pick, so those guys probably slide away from the fan base a little bit. But the truth is, is that – I think they're both going to be really high-end uh, NHL-caliber goaltender for a long time. I really do. And, and then a guy, you know, we can go other countries too. I mean, there's a guy you want to talk about. I know we were texting back and forth. It was a star today uh, for Czech. Two goals and two assists. Your man yeah, there, I mean. Very Coolidge. I mean, yeah. yeah I, I know the Buffalo Sabres are trying to be patient, and they've got him down in Rochester. He's doing a great job playing for Seth Appert down with the Rochester Americans, the American Hockey League. But the truth of the matter is, Anybody that watches World Junior knows that kid's ready to play in the NHL. I mean, he's an NHL player. So you add him with Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka, that's just an example of young players that are playing uh, in Buffalo right now and doing a real good job. And uh, the future for the Buffalo Sabres is extremely bright. They're going to have to figure out their depth players a little bit, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. They really are. But when you look at the skill level and the way they play um, and they start adding players like Coolidge to the lineup – they're going to be a real, real good team for a long time in Buffalo. They just got to find a way to add a little bit more depth and character type player deeper in their lineup. And another team that has to be happy, Pierre, with a guy that was on the Sweden side today, had a great game, is the Vancouver Canucks. 
Yeah, Jonathan Lecker and Mackey is probably who you're talking about. And, yes. uh, I got to think Patrick Alvin, the general manager in, in Vancouver, and Jimmy Rutherford, the president of hockey operations um, in, in uh, Vancouver, got to be very excited. You know, Jimmy, here's the thing. Saw Lecker and Mackey in three World Juniors. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's an amazing – just to play in one World Junior is huge. To play in two is mammoth. To play in three is off the charts. It's a phenomenal accomplishment. But this was his best one by a mile. And the reason why it was his best one – because he played to the level that he's capable of. I thought in the other World Juniors, he played down. I thought in this World Junior in particular that he played up. And you can see he's NHL ready. His shot is elite. It's super elite. And, of course, you know, it goes without saying, I mean, you're talking about him playing three times, but even one time, the maturity these kids get on and off the ice, Pierre, from this tournament is immense, isn't it? It is, and it's also really important when you do it on home ice. Um, you know, playing in front of that crazy Swedish crowd, and I say that with respect. I mean, those fans were unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, it, that's a lot of pressure on those kids, and and they, most of them, not all of them, but most of them handle it really well, Jimmy. So I look at it and I think, yeah, that, that's another big growth opportunity for all those Swedish players, but in particular the higher-end players like Ogrim. Uh, like Vilander, um, like Lekaramaki, those players, they, they got a lot of experience. They really did. Good stuff. Well, before we get into some NHL talk, Pierre, I just want to mention some college hockey, since technically it is on campus Friday here in the eye test. Because we're in that weird time of year right now, it's been tough nailing down some guests, but we'll get back to that soon. Don't you worry. Uh, but you right now are in Orono, Maine. And I got to say, Pierre, is that this is an Airbnb you're in or what? I am. Yeah. I'm, That's uh, a pretty sweet looking place. It's really nice. Uh, our yeah. friends and my son's teammate, Tommy Bergsland, his parents found this place. And so we're sharing it with the Bergslands here and we're having a great time. And um, yeah, no, we're in Old Town, Maine, believe it or not. I've got a lake to my left and a lot of woods to my right. Um, <laughs> we're about uh, 15 minutes from the rink, the great uh, Alphonse Arena at, at University of Maine. I can't wait to get over there. A lot of good memories, saw a lot of good players play there over time. One of them is a good friend of yours, Jimmy Montgomery, yep. uh, Scotty Pellerin. I remember Paul Correa, Mike Dunham. I, the list goes on and on. Garth Snow, Eric yep. Weinrich, who I had the privilege of coaching. I can go down the line. Uh, Jack Capuano, David Capuano, so many great players in uh, University of Maine history. And uh, I'm excited to go back over to Alphon Arena and watch a great game tonight and a great game tomorrow. And don't forget, Pierre, too. I mean, we've had an, a former assistant coach, uh, who was tutored and mentored by the great Sean Walsh. And that's Greg Cronin, the coach of the Ducks, was on <clears> earlier <throat> with us too. So uh, there's just so much hockey history there. Pierre, just so people understand the type of arena it is, because there's not many left, just explain the character of this place to our viewers and our listeners out there. Well, the fans are electrifying, number one. Number two, they're really passionate about not just the game, but the players that play for Maine and – um, they cheer at the appropriate times. They make it a very intimidating place for the opposition. You better not fall too far behind early on in the game or it could be a long night. Um, but, no, it's it's just the way the building's constructed. The fans are right on top of the teams uh, when they're sitting on their respective benches. And, you know, it's a, it's a really cool atmosphere. Uh, I, I think it's a ton of fun, and that's why I'm so excited to be back here. It's been a long time since I've been back and excited to come back. Yeah. I, as I said before, it's on my bucket list to get up there because it is one of the remaining few where you can really still say, truly, it's an old barn, you know, and it's it's got that feel, eh? And it's uh, – I've heard so many great things and, and from players that have played there as visitors too saying, man, I mean, you're going to do two things. I, I forget who it was that played for BC. Oh, I think it was my buddy Chris Masters. 
Uh, okay. He came back in the 90s and he said, you're going to do one or two things when you're sitting out there at the beginning of the game and that place is rocking. You're going to piss your pants. Or you're going to play the game of your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, again, it, there's so many magical buildings. You know, I think about the building up in Minnesota, Duluth. I think about uh, going into the University of Minnesota. I think about going into Ann Arbor. Uh, think about going into Braid Arena, um, going up to Appleton Arena at St. Lawrence, Houston Fieldhouse at RPI. I can go down the line playing at Lina Rink at Cornell. You know, Colgate just played at Lina. If you haven't been to a game at Cornell, you really should go as a fan. Uh, it, whether you have skin in the game or not, it's just an amazing place to watch a game. The college environment now is just so great, it, and it just keeps getting better all the time. It really does. The players are better, the coaching's better, and the fans are electrifying. They truly are. Yeah, and you know, here I want to say too, because uh, I'm getting starting to get the emails for it. The Bean Pot is coming up, so anyone First that's around Mondays every February, let's yeah. go. It's, it's coming up. So if you're in the Boston area at that time, do yourself a favor. If you're a hockey fan, go check it out. It's it's a great environment. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky enough to grow up around here, so I saw plenty of them. But and you have too, Pierre. But it's just it's something. And it, the the best one is the first day, I think. You know, because both games really matter. It's not a consolation game, or um, and, and it's the fans that come in that are cheering for the teams in the second game will come early. So you've got four sets of fans in the building at once, plus all the general public. It's just rocking. It's a great night. Uh, so do yourself a favor. If you're around Boston for the bean pot in the first few Mondays of February, get in there. It's going to be something yeah, special. No, it's, it's great. The bands are there. It's, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. The bean pot never gets old. It really, I mean, it is old, but it never gets old. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, let's get in some NHL talk. And uh, we're going to rewind a little to early, earlier this week to some stuff we've been talking about. Not not to beat uh, the drum a little more, but we have to, Pierre, because after all the the praise we were saying and, and saying that Sidney Crosby needs to get more love for the Hart Trophy here, he goes out and just puts his team on his shoulders again against the Boston Bruins in, in what was, you know – a kind of a tough game to navigate, especially if you're a coach. Uh, it was it was a little bit of pond hockey out there. But when all was said and done, it started to calm down and the team started to fall back into their systems and it was grinding. It did get to that point. Sid stepped up again and he gets the winning goal uh, just over 11 minutes into the third period after his fellow Nova Scotian, Brad Marchand, tied the game for the Bruins. They had been down 5-2. Great comeback by them, but it fell short because Sid scores a winner just over 11 minutes in. And after the game, you know, I asked, because uh, I'm just thinking about our conversations the whole game, so I asked Brad Marchand about it, and this is what Brad Marchand had to say about Sidney Crosby. Crosby there earlier. Um, does it amaze you to see what he's still doing at this age? Or, I mean, you kind of watch Fergie do it too. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, he, he's still... Obviously, one of the best in the world, but he's not really getting the credit he deserves right now. Um, you know, a lot of the, the attention is on the younger guys, but uh, if you look at the details of the game, a full hut, 200 feet, he's by far the best player in the league. Uh, you know, him and McKinnon, two good Nova Scotia boys. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, McDavid's uh, in the league with his own offensively, but, you know, Sid and, and Nate are playing um, very hard 200 foot games. So, uh, but yeah, the way he. It's all in the way that he prepares and, and the way he has for years. And, you know, I think what some, a lot of players don't understand, especially young players, is that 
the work that you put in when you're younger and you know early in your career even you know kind of throughout your career doesn't benefit you for the next season it's the continuation of building it for down the road and that's something that he's done so well for such a long time is um, you know the way he trains and takes care of himself and is always trying to get better uh, his competitiveness um, on and off the ice it's just it's unmatched so um, you know he's created an environment for himself where he'll be able to play at that level as long as he wants to and um, you know especially I think how soft the league's getting now too uh you know you're not getting banged and beat up the way that maybe guys were getting in the past um you know he, he can skate so well that uh, uh you know he's not going to slow down so it just depends on how long he's going to want to play but he'll always be at that level i mean <laughs> we don't rehearse this stuff here we don't but no. there you go i mean i don't know if he's listening to us or what but it, it was almost identical to what we've been saying all week and I, I, I found that interesting how he said the league's getting a little too soft, but he's saying he can use that to his advantage uh, to play longer. I think he's absolutely right. And I think that's what Brad Marchand can do as well. Um, so look, I know that, you know, like we said, Sid and, and Brad Marchand don't have the history that Bergie and Sid had, but they did have that moment in the 2016 world cup. They do know each other well from being Nova Scotia guys. Um, and, and you can just tell, when you think about what Brad Marshan has become, the superstar he is in this league, Pierre, we always talk about Patrice Bergeron, but I think he's also looked up to Sid as well. Um, he takes the time to kind of study what are these guys doing. I can do it too. So I, I thought that was great stuff, what he had to say about Sidney Crosby. No, 100%. Um, the league is not soft. I'd say that with all due respect to Brad. What I'd say is that um, – it's different than what he went through when he first came into the league um, just because the rules have changed and the way the game is called is changed, but it's still a very arduous, physical, difficult league to play in. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at older players that are really thriving and, and Brad said something that was really smart. He talked about his continuation of off ice work. You look at Anse Kopitar. There's a reason why he's still good. He was taken in the same draft as Sidney Crosby. How has he been able to do it? He's won two Stanley Cups. He's played late into the years many times. People forget how hard it was when L.A. was winning. They had to go through St. Louis. They had to go through San Jose back then. You had to go through Chicago. That The West was hard. I mean, it wasn't just fast. It was hard physical hockey. And and guy like Anse Kopitar continues to impress me. Jordan Stahl with the Carolina Hurricanes. It's the same kind of thing. Now, does he get the same points as Kopitar does or Crosby does? No, he doesn't. But he's an older player that's been able to play for a long time at a high level because of the way he works and continues to work and push himself to maintain his greatness. So there's a lot to be said. Those superstars that last as long as Bergeron did or as Crosby has uh, or Kopitar is right now, as Getzlaff did before he retired last summer, mm -hmm. it's because they're putting the work in. Yeah, they're exceptional talents, but they're putting the work in. They really are. I was really proud of Brad for saying that, by the way. Jimmy, yeah. good on you for getting that tape, but that's a really good soundbite from Brad. A lot of young players should have to hear that. Yeah, and it kind of is. I'm listening to him, Pierre, and, and it was interesting because we had a few hours earlier, we were playing that Brock Faber clip, yeah. right? And it, Brock was kind of talking about that same stuff, and there was something, and there was another question down the line that he answered too about Sid. I didn't have it there, but and and one of the things you know he was saying that he's so successful is that he's a straight player up and down the ice, like. 
He said, sometimes today the kids are too worried. And he, then he started to remind me of favor, you know, making that fancy player going side to side. Whereas Sid is just so north south, so 200 feet. And, and that's the reason he's succeeding still. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing I would say. Good on you to say, it too. It's just for the kids listening out there, you know, and you're trying to aspire in the game right now. Those are the role models you need to have. But those are the guys you should look up to. And not to say that younger players aren't doing that. They are. Um, but pay attention. Pay attention. So I would say this. I remember when Crosby was young, 15 and 16 years old. First time I saw him, he was playing at Shattuck St. Mary's. And then it continued. Obviously, the World Junior, he was 16 years old. Uh, he had already been drafted by Ramuski Oceanic in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, which is what it was called then. Now it's a Quebec Maritime Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say, when I saw Sid the first time, I said, this reminds me so much of a Swedish player that I really respected for a long time, Peter Forsberg. Yeah. The, the body type, the way they presented themselves with the puck and without the puck, the way they made the players around them better, their ability to play both on their forehand and their backhand – The similarities were amazing. You look at Forsberg's career, it was off the charts good. I mean, just crazy good. Yeah. Same thing for Crosby. I mean, it's just, it's because they're workers and and they're obviously extremely talented. And and, and the way they go to the net, too, just with the drive they have. You know what I mean, Pierre? Like, I see a lot of times, sometimes the younger players right now will pass it up and go around the perimeter and. Every single time to do the Michigan, is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on their blade and do the Michigan. Yeah, and Sid, I mean, go ahead, finish up. But just Sid is like, I don't care that I have uh, you know these tree trunks in front. You know, let's say for example, he's going up against Vegas, and he's like, I don't care that I have to go through the redwood forest here against these defensemen. I'm going in, and I'm going to come out with a goal. And he he does it almost every time. It's amazing. Can you imagine it back in the day? Let's just go in old Chicago Stadium, um, trying to do a Michigan, and the late Brian Marchman is playing for Chicago back then. You weren't getting up. Yeah. You were getting carried off the ice. What about Eddie Belfour? Or Alfie or, or Samuelson or even Eddie? Or what about Chris Chelios? Yeah. I mean, no. The, the, yeah, that part of the game has changed a lot. But that one thing I'd say is I, I love the celebration, the skill that the Michigan presents, but I would love to see – Guys celebrate good, hard, physical, smart hockey plays with the same passion as they do with the Michigan. That's all they, they do, Pierre. I don't know, like I, I don't know if you were watching when Marshan scored, but after the game, every man that spoke to, in the media to the media last night, including Coach Montgomery, um, credited Marshan for his drive on that play when he went around Latang and the yeah. you know the stick check he had there to get to the net and score that shorty and. They they appreciate it. I do see younger guys, that's which good. is good. They still appreciate that, that's it. That's good because that's important. You know, that's yeah. really important. Because that's what wins uh, in the playoffs. Let's be honest. I mean, you, that's how you score in the playoffs. Yeah, that's you're not scoring in Michigan in the playoffs. I'm sorry. No, I would say probably not. Um, but anyways, good for Brad. I, I thought that was a tremendous soundbite. That was really, really good, yeah. Jimmy. Good on you for getting it. Really and, and one thing before we move on to I, – I love to – you know, the players like Brad, players like Sid, players like Patrice, Kopitar, those guys, Getzlaff. I love, too, you talked about how they, they continue with their off-ice workouts and staying in shape. The mental workout is important as well, Pierre, and I'm sure you can talk about that because that's a key as well, to, to stay focused and stay in the moment, not worry about too many things around you and just block it out, 
review the video, keep moving forward. I think that's a huge factor in their success at this older age. You know, and I knew that I knew Nathan McKinnon was going to be a really good player. I think a lot of people felt the same way, obviously. But I heard an amazing story about him and Sidney Crosby right after Nathan McKinnon got drafted first overall by Colorado. They were out in California, and Sid likes to run sand dunes. Oh, yeah. And and McKinnon went and ran sand dunes with Crosby. And this is after, you know, you get drafted first overall. You yeah. can celebrate a little bit, right, Jimmy? You're allowed to have some fun. But he kept up with Sydney the entire next day, as legend would have it. And um, I think it says a lot about Nate and how competitive Nate is. I, I've made this statement many times. Connor McDavid is a phenomenal player. Yeah. I think he's the fastest player in the league with the puck on his uh, on his stick. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of guys that are fast, but I don't think anybody's faster than him with the puck on their stick. I don't think there's a more powerful player, physically powerful player in the league uh, than Nathan McKinnon is. I don't think there's one guy that's more physical or more powerful than McKinnon. So it's two different types of players. Yeah. But I've seen McKinnon in the playoffs up close and personal. The intensity that he has is shocking. Yeah. It's, and I'm telling and you know, you see a lot of guys are intense. This guy takes intensity to a whole other level. And I think yeah. that's part of it as well. Yeah, you know, Pierre, I don't know if it was you or somebody told me about McKinnon. And and he makes it clear to his teammates before he gets hard on them, but he he's hard on his teammates. He, it, was he very I, calm. it was you. I, yep. I, between the benches, one time I was looking over because I was hearing this really loud noise and I was doing the game. I was working with Kenny Albert. And I looked over and, and it's Nate. And he's given – I won't tell you who the player was – he was giving it to him yeah, like I that. that. And I was going, this is interesting. And I, I put the talk back on and I said to the director in the truck, I said, get a camera on McKinnon. It's must-see TV. Um, and, you know, they did. But it, his intensity levels are phenomenal. I I would enjoy playing with somebody like that even when they got in your face because the truth of the matter is as hard as he is on you, he's harder on himself. Exactly. And he's much harder on it's only because I, I think that's what his teammates appreciate about him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, let's look around the league here. Uh, last night, as we mentioned, heading into the NHL action last night, there were some teams obviously fighting for their playoff lives. We've already discussed the Pittsburgh Penguins there. They did a great job of staying alive. And uh, But one team that, I, I mean, I don't know, Pierre, if, I, if I'm getting ahead of myself saying this, but I think the Ottawa Senators are just – that's it. You got. You have to. You have to go into sell mode now. You have to really, and I'm sure they're already doing it. But you have to really evaluate. Okay, what do we want to be going forward, and how can we use the trade deadline to accomplish that? Whether it's through bodies that we acquire or more draft picks, what do we have to do? And I think one of the things there, Pierre, that needs to be changed. And you know, I hate this is always overrated. I think sometimes to say the word culture. But I think culture needs to be changed. And I don't know if you saw the story I, I sent to you um, of Michael Delzato was on a show and he just said, I, I just, you know, and look, I know Michael's had some issues himself, but he said, I, I couldn't understand how this was an NHL atmosphere. There was just something missing there. And if they're going to take that next step and they've got the skill to do it, Pierre, I think you'd agree with me that that next step needs to be the atmosphere and the attitude and how to build that back up. 
Well, they've got a new general manager in place, President of Hockey Operations, Steve Stales. They brought a new senior vice president in, Dave Poulin. Um, Ryan Bonus has been named associate general manager. So he's he's kind of the transition guy. He was there with the former general manager, and he's here with the current general manager. They have new ownership there now uh, with Michael Ann Lauer and his group. So I think eventually you're going to start to see some things change in Ottawa in terms of how things are presented in the room and away from the room. Um, it's not an easy thing, but I can tell you the hardest thing is if you're going to start changing the culture, you better make sure you address the proper things in, when it comes to culture because you can't just trade away players to trade away players. You better make sure you trade away the right guys and you bring in the right guys because a lot of people have tried to change culture over time, and sometimes they've been successful, and other times they miscalculate. And if you miscalculate when you're going through a culture change – it's a whole new rebuild again. It's a yeah. whole new rebuild. And you do not want to go through that. Ottawa stockpiled with a lot of prospects. Their American Hockey League team in Belleville is playing fantastically well under a really good coach in David Bell. Um, they're doing, a, I think, a really good job make, with research and development with their players, with Sean Donovan and Jesse Winchester. They've got a lot of good things going on there. Um, but the truth is, is that now new ownership and new management has to make the right call on the players that need to stay and the players that need to go. And also, let's not forget, I mean, as far as we know, he's still an interim coach, and that's who's going to replace Jacques Martin. That's a big, big call going forward. But before you, you comment on that, Pierre, I just want to say, you read my mind, because my next question to you was going to be, do GMs sometimes, even though they might not want to trade the player, do they pick a big name, a popular guy, and, and sort of make him a sacrificial lamb. I would think that's dangerous, and I guess you just answered that question. It's very dangerous because if you miscalculate on the big name you're moving out, you could be in big trouble. Uh, in terms of like a revolt? Yeah, some of the players will say, what do we do that for? That doesn't make okay. us better. Yeah. Um, but if you pick the right guy and you've done enough research on it and you can say, you know what, he's not going to be missed that much. He might be missed on the ice, but he won't be missed away from the ice. Because we're talking about culture change. Yes. We're not talking about athletic change. Yes. They have more than enough athletes there. They do. They have way more than enough athletes. That's not the issue. You know, that's not the issue there. So so eventually I think it will change. Um, in terms of the coaching situation, I don't think anything has to be done right now. Um, Jacques going to do a good job implementing the way he wants him to play. Daniel Alfredson's going to help him. I think they've got a tremendous assistant coach there in Jack Capuano. Um, I, I think that Ben Sexton's a really good young assistant coach that's there right now. So they, they've got some good coaching pieces in place. I don't think that's going to be an issue for them the rest of the year. All right. You know what? I, I'm cheering for them, Pierre. Like, I love Ottawa as a, as a hockey city and a city yeah. in general. I think it's one of the most underrated cities in North America. And you've yeah. lived there. You've said the same thing. So I want to see a good team uh, for that city and their fans. You know what, Pierre? So we're trying to shoot to get out of here by 445 right now. Make it a short one here because our production crew's got some things they got to do on another podcast. But uh, I think we should go to comments right now. And I, I want to pull one up right now. And I don't know if our production crew can see it right now. It's uh, Ian Cameron, who hosts that Ice Guy show I've spoken to you about here and yeah. private. Uh, the gambling show on there every single day, Pierre. He's one of the hardest workers in hockey media that I know. Uh, and first of all, Ian says, uh, congrats to. To us for this. There you go. Congrats to our friend Jimmy Murphy on this new show with Pierre Maguire. I remember I sent an email to Pierre way back, like 15 years ago when he was at TSN and complimented his TV radio work. And he, 
and a continuation there. Reply to it, man of the people. Pierre, I got to say that I've met so many people and a lot more are coming out saying this now since we started this podcast that praise you for that, that you take the time, no matter how busy you are, to even if it's a little few words to get back to people. And that, that means, Pierre, hey, we're human beings. We know what that means to people, but he's one of many who has said that. And Ian, thank you for bringing that up. Well, Ian, that, that really means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's because of the way my mother raised me and my dad raised me. Um, you just try to be kind to people. And I, <clears throat> I'm i so appreciative of having made my living my entire life, my higher adult life. Every paycheck I've ever gotten has been from hockey, whether it was as a player, as a coach, as a broadcaster, as a scout, as a management person. I just really, really feel blessed. And when other people want to follow that path, if I can help them in any way, shape or form, I will do that. Jimmy, that's how we met. Yeah. You know, that's how I you know. and I met. And uh, I'm so proud of you and what you've done with your career and how you continue to build it. And and if I can be a little part of that to help, I will. It's like that with everybody. I've said yeah. that. I talked to one of my old players yesterday. I'm, I'm going to date myself. I won't tell you who it was. He's trying <laughs> to cut his teeth in the broadcasting business. We had an amazing chat. I was so proud of him last night when we talked. And, and he's really doing a good job. And we talked about a couple things he could maybe do differently or a couple things that he's – should continue to do. And uh, no, it's, it's, I think it's great. And um, I'm just really blessed to uh, be part of this league and part of the game. I'm really fortunate. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of your older, uh, some of your former players, uh, I had a good chat with Kevin Stevens last night, <laughs> between periods up in the TD garden press box and he's listening yeah. all the time. So Kev, hello to you. Great seeing you last night. And like I said, we're going to get you on sometime soon. Uh, I actually met, after all these years, I know, I've known Kevin. I hadn't met his sons yet, but I did last night. And, uh, oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, um, I remember the first Stanley Cup Pittsburgh won was 1991. We won in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember we were walking down the tunnel, and all the players were jumping up and down. And I was with Joe Malash, who was a longtime Penguin and a former Minnesota North Star. And Joe and I were on the bench, and we were hugging. And all of a sudden, Jill started crying. And I was like, damn, man, you're going to make me cry. And all of a sudden, uh, the bodyguards for the ownership group came down on the bench, and thank God they did because it kind of separated Jill and I, and we started hugging. And one of the guys I hugged, I won't say his name, I lifted him up, and he had a gun in his back. <laughs> oh, jeez. And I, the gun came out of the holster. <laughs> and, it was, and he says, okay, don't move. Just push me up against the wall. It'll be fine because <laughs> he felt the gun oh, come Gosh. And uh, thank gosh, nothing happened. But it's oh yeah, yeah. Really goes. What was that? He thought you. I was wrestling with the guys. I said no. His gun came out of it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but yeah. Kevin was there, and and that first Stanley Cup, you never forget. I, I think they're all special, Jimmy. You were talking about World Junior Gold and all that stuff, Olympic yeah. Gold. They're all special. They are. But the first one, you you kind of remember everything that went on. Everyone tells me that. that I, you kind of just remember everything. I remember riding from the arena to the airport to get on our charter, and I was sitting with Scott Young, who was really important for that 91 Penguins team. He was a really good player for us. Yep. Kevin could tell you the same thing. And we were just sitting in the back drinking some adult beverages and talking about what a great run it was, you know, and it, yeah. it just – I remember all the little things. It's crazy. I remember getting on the flight and the flight attendant saying, what would you like to eat? And they said, I'll have whatever Mr. Bowman's having. You know yeah. what I mean? You just, you never forget. It's yeah. Just cool. You know, not, I know we're pressed for time, but I just quickly, Pierre, 
and, and you've discussed this. I don't know if we, we've done it on this podcast yet. And we'll play this clip sometime because it's literally one of my favorite post-Stanley Cup win clips was you and Mark Recchi on the ice in Vancouver after yeah. what was his final game. Yep. And, you know, you said to him, hey, we've come a long way. And you mentioned that 91 Cup and he loved it, you know, and he's, he, you could see he lit up so much because, like you said, that's probably wow. it's like your first kid. I mean, <laughs> it really is. The, the 91 Cup, what I remember the most was how great Ronnie Francis was, how amazingly good Mario was. Mm -hmm. The chemistry with Stevens and Recchi, they had provided so much energy. They'd be on the bench and they'd be anxious to get on the ice and their feet would be going up against the dasher. And so one time they said, what are those guys doing? And we ended up coming up with a nickname. We call them the Stampeding Elephants because they right. just wanted to get out on the ice. Um, <laughs> But they were Recky, John Cullen, before he got traded to Hartford, uh, and Kevin Stevens were phenomenal as a line. They called them the option line because all of them were going to the option year of their contracts. And they were just so good for the energy around our group. But I'd be remiss if I didn't identify one guy that was critically important. I think Kevin Stevens, you could talk about it with Kevin, would acknowledge this. Brian Trotche meant so wow. much wow. to the 91 Stanley Cup win in Pittsburgh Penguins. He meant so much. Yep. He taught everybody there, every single person there, how to win. He did, including the coaches. He taught everybody how to win. Good stuff. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to another question. And by the way, Shane, we see your message too. Shane said uh, you did the same thing for him, Shane Oliver. Uh, I sent an email through Mitch Melnick. We were talking about Carey Price and Ken Dryden, and Pierre replied to it. Not many personalities would do that. So, there thank you, you very much, Shane. I appreciate you bringing that up. It means a lot to me. Thank you. All right, so I think we've got a question, if you guys can pull it up, from Justin LeBron uh, regarding Lane Hudson. Do you think Lane Hudson lived up to the hype? And, Pierre, yeah. I think this is going to be a burning question in the it weeks will. to come. It will be. Well, it will be till BU goes on an amazing run and Lane Hudson's a big part of it. And everybody says, where was Lane Hudson at the World Junior? Here's what I know. Lane Hudson probably played as many minutes as anybody that played for the Americans, except for the goalie, obviously. Yeah. And the last I checked – they're standing on the top of the World Junior Mountain, and he was a big part of it. So yeah. everybody equates success with points. Let's see what it is at the end of the year and be you and where they are. And then when Lane Hudson turns pro, my only caveat on everything with Lane, and I'll continue to say it, 7 to 15 pounds of muscle has to be added to that frame. And that could be done. And it will be done. It will, will be, be done. done. And, and we mentioned the bean pot For all you Canadians fans, if you can, and I think there's – does TSN? TSN will carry that. They show, they show the bean pot. Yeah, so tune in to TSN for the bean pot and get back to it. I, I, I know you and I are going. Like, Oh, we're, we're going for sure. We're going. we're going for sure. We might have to do a live broadcast. We should do a live. I think we should. Actually. Yeah, I'll, I'll set that up for sure. Okay. By the way, my uh, my green screen just fell behind me, so that's why my background went black. Either that or the Americans uh, took the flag in there. <laughs> in Sweden right now, so who knows? Uh, all right, let's go to another question here. I think the real question is when does Buffalo, Detroit, and Columbus take that next step? Their prospect pipelines are filled with talent like no other, plus the players already playing at the NHL, and that's from Alex Evanoski. That's a great question, Alex. I think the same thing can be said about Ottawa as well, uh, if you want to add them. So I've, we've talked about it on this podcast, Alex. The Atlantic Division's a tough neighborhood right now because you got Montreal getting better. you got Ottawa supposedly getting better, and I believe they will. Detroit getting better, Buffalo getting better. 
Um, it's tough. It's going to be really tough. And I don't see Florida Panthers falling back too much. I don't think Boston's going to fall back very much. Toronto's not going to fall back very much. So you look at it and you add Buffalo in the mix. The Atlantic neighborhood is tough. It's really yeah. tough. So if you're not keeping up, it's going to be a problem. Columbus is in the Metro, so it's a little different. Um, but I think Columbus is about to start to take off. And everybody kind of, where's Fantilli? Where's Fantilli? Well, Adam Fantilli's starting to come right now, Jimmy. Oh, he's coming. Yeah. He's starting to come. Yeah. And, and I know people say, well, who do you compare him to? And I've had this asked me a lot. I know it's hard to compare players to Hall of Famers. There's a lot of Mike Madonna and Adam Fantilli. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of Mike Madonna and Adam. And I'm not saying he's going to be better than Mike Madonna, but there's a lot of similarities. That's what I'm going to say. For sure, too. And Pierre, while we're on Columbus here, quickly too, uh, the goalie situation there. Another team that's kind of had yeah. some ups and downs there. Mm -hmm. it, is is maybe Elvis Merlikins, uh, Merslikins a, a name that we're not maybe looking at enough as the deadline approaches? Could be. I it depends. I think a lot of this has to do with what Pat Verbeek does in Anaheim. I really do, Jimmy. It comes down to what does he do with John Gibson? Mm -hmm. And if Gibson's staying in Anaheim, things, yeah, but if he's not, then I think he's the first guy that probably brings the biggest return. And I also think Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have to make a decision in Montreal because when you look at Jacob Fowler coming, I, I don't know if they turn him pro this year. But, again, he's the goalie of the future for Montreal. He is. He, he is. So Montreal's got Jake Allen, whose contract's up at the end of the year. They just signed Montembeau to a three-year extension, and they obviously have Caden Primo. Um, so that something's going to have to give in Montreal. So there's a couple places where I think once the goalies are out of there, then the rest of the dominoes start to fall. I got to think if Gibson's on the market, which – you got to think he probably is because he's going to bring a big return. Then we'll see where everything else sorts out. Okay, let's go. We got time for one more question here. Right. The World Junior Hockey Championship gold medal for Team USA is just the tip of the iceberg of what's to come for this nation in the next five to 10 years. They're going to be a major problem for a while. And that's coming from a yeah. diehard can Hockey Canada fan there and Ian Cameron. Uh, Ian, spot on. The thing is, is that it's not just the national team development program for the Americans. It's what I think college hockey is doing right now, too, and what the USHL is doing and the development that's going on in the BCHL. A lot of American kids are going out and playing in the BCHL, um, and it's really, you know, we had Coach Harbinson on there, a lot of really good coaches in the BCHL, there are a lot of really good coaches in the USHL. There are a lot of good coaches in the NAL. So even if you're not part of the U.S. National Team Development Program, there's still room for you to yeah. play internationally. And, and so the Americans, just through sheer numbers, are always going to be good. But now their best athletes are really starting to become elite hockey players, which is amazing to watch. Well, I think, too, Pierre, and you, know, you might have said this or somebody, they're, they're choosing hockey. That's, That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're choosing hockey. It used to be a lot of the best kids would play football, or a lot of kids would play basketball, or a lot of the best kids would play baseball. baseball. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe they go play tennis or they might yeah. play golf. But now a lot of kids think hockey's cool. Yeah. And so they, they want to be part of it. And I, I think to their credit, um, it's easy to bash a lot of different big institutions, but to their credit, I think USA hockey's cultivating. Uh, a lot of athletes into playing hockey, not just men, by the way, women as well. Yep. The growth rate of women's hockey in the United States is phenomenal. It's, it's yeah. crazy how good it is. It really is. Yeah.
I'll tell you, I, I spoke and I'm glad you brought that up and then we'll wrap it up here. But um, a, a woman that sits next to me in the press box at a lot of Bruins games, her name is uh, Bridget Pruel. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you see, she's doing a lot of stuff with Nesson, very good up and coming play by play. Agree. Yeah. 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 And so she got hired to do the P- PWHL Boston team, do the play by play. And she, she did the inaugural game the other day and she said, Jimmy, it, it was rocking. It was great. Yeah. And it wasn't just girls in the stands and women in the stands. She said, I want there were a lot of men there as well. And they were enjoying themselves and they were enjoying the hockey. So that that's great to hear as they get on their way there with their league. Yep. No, it's fantastic. And we're going to get uh, people from the league on our show. I can't wait. We talked about him before the league started. You and I did. And uh, we want to help sell the league too. We, the more people playing hockey, the better it is for hockey. Exactly. For everybody. And exactly. and so it's a great game and we want to try to help get more and more people involved in it. All right. Well, good stuff. And again, yes, congratulations to Team USA, uh, USA Hockey for winning the gold medal there. Congratulations to Sweden on a great run and even Czech and Finland uh, for their run there as well. Uh, and look, we appreciate you guys taking the time to ask us some questions and tuning in. And we look forward to talking on Monday. You have a great weekend. Again, Happy New Year. Uh, and enjoy the hockey this weekend. There's some great games on tap. So tune yeah. in for sure. And we will talk to you on Monday here on the iTest on the Sick Podcast Network. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the iTest with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.